talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the news. It's what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Weird History Eerie Tales Podcast. I am your host, Moses Sorry, and with me today is my brother, Josh. Yep. How's it going? And today, we're going to be talking about grave desecrations. We're going to be talking about grave robbers. It's been a long ass time that I've been infatuated with this fucking topic mm-hmm. for uh, for as long as I can remember, and I don't and I couldn't figure out why until I realized why you're a freak. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, something's wrong with you, bro. I no, mentioned this. What? I mentioned this over and over again. Hmm. The first time I read H.P. Lovecraft, I thought you needed a master's degree for this shit. Reading, I'm like, dude, what the f-? like, you can't understand this shit. You must need like a master's degree. Fuck this. I came back around, tried it a few years later, and the first story I ever got to read from beginning to front that I was real proud of myself okay. was it's called The Hound. The Hound. The Hound. And it's about two grave robbers who open up a, who open up, who open up, a, oh, they, uh, they're not grave robbers. They're, um, uh, what's the other term? Where they don't, they're grave robbers, not body. Oh, corpse thefts? Yeah, they're not corpse yeah. thieves. They're body yeah. snatchers. You're going to tell us the difference in a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Well, these guys steal an amulet that belongs. And it's a curse. That's part of the Hokutulu mythos. And the amulet is protected by a hound, a flying, weird, leathery dog. Yeah. And those stories yeah. about these two brothers, like, what the fuck? They're being chased. And at the very end, the hound catches up to them. So it took me a long time. I'm like, why have I always been infatuated with that grave diggers? Like, yeah, it's, the, the idea of it's cool. And then I was like, all right, well, one of my favorite books of all time is, you know, it's Frankenstein and this dude, Frankenstein. In the movies, that's how he gets Frankenstein's um, um, body parts. He digs them out of the, you know, he digs them out of the grave. And the story, she, she, uh, she, um, she just mentions in one line, she's like, oh, and he just grabbed all the body parts. She, it has nothing to do with graveyards or anything. <laughs> but in the movies, they're like, we need to spice this up. We got to make it all that he's digging through graves and all this other nonsense. So that's why those for those for those two specific reasons. I'd been really infatuated. Makes sense. And then the Black Donner came out with a really dope ass song called The Grave Robber. It's off the uh, I don't remember it from which album. It's off the Ritual album. The Check, Ritual album. Check that album out. It was one of the greatest Dothman albums of all time. So now that we're done talking about Carl Tanzler. And fucking dead people. Rest in peace. <laughs> now let's talk about fucking dead people. Mm. Okay, I see what you did there. You like that, uh, right? Yeah. No, I don't. Okay, like, for a while, um, I thought grave robbery was synonymous to corpse theft. There's definitions where people uh, use that term, grave robbery, synonymous to corpse theft. But there's a difference. Corpse theft is literally in its name. Corpse theft is act of removing corpse from its grave. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why people steal corpses, right? There's different motives. Uh, some are simply by pranks. There's stories of just people stealing bodies just to prank some people. There's more dark reasons for it. Necrophiliacs. And then darker times, uh, interest in bodies for science, for 
experience in which she would go more in depth um, later on. And that's what corpse theft is all about. Now, most states, like at first I was like, okay, somebody gets caught stealing a body. What's the law behind it, right? What's the punishment? So I look into it. Oh, most states. Fine on a slap on the wrist. <laughs> yeah, technically. Most states, most states have laws against corpse theft and treat it as felony or a misdemeanor. So each state has their own way of punishing people. It can either be, yo, that's fucked up. You can punish hard. Or it's like, like you said, a slap on the wrist. It is also a civil offense. So the family members of the deceased may sue under verity of statutes, most frequently known as intentional infliction of emotional distress. distress. Which makes sense. It sucks. I mean, I don't give a fuck about your body, but if you died, you're a piece of shit, but steal your body, I'm getting some money off of that. Does it have to be direct family? Well, we, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 All right. So that's corp theft or corpse thief. You're going to need Literally. a whole gang of motherfuckers to steal my body. Yeah. Well, I think anybody that's dead weight. So that's corpse theft. And then we have grave robbery. Grave robbery is a crime of removing valuables from a person's grave. Uh, again, when it comes to law, most states treat grave robbery as its own offense, although some states incorporate grave robbery into other robbery statutes. Great example of a state is Texas. Texas defines felony, felony theft as an act of stealing more than 1500 worth of goods from a person, corpse, or grave. So they utilize grave robbery synonymously with with uh with corpse theft in a sense. So if you steal either from the from the dead or from someone alive, bam. If you steal something, no matter steal if something. the breathing or not. Yep. Uh defense punishable by time in jail. Family members of a deceased may also institute a civil action to recoup the value of the stolen property or to punish the perpetrator for committing such a crime. So they have options. And that's the difference between corpse theft and grave robbery. There's people who who say they're both used synonymous. Grave robbery is essentially stealing from the grave, whether it's a corpse or the valuables. So it's really up to you if you're nitpicking like, no, corpse theft is only if you steal a corpse no. or in grave robbery is only if you steal the valuables of, uh, of the dead. So that's the difference between corpse theft and grave robbery. So... I'm glad that you gave that you gave the you know that you gave us the the difference between both mm-hmm. because in the in the early 1900s there was this type of job where they used this specific loophole to steal dead bodies. Oh boy! Right, these people were called the resurrection men. Hmm. So it's no secret today that during the 19th century there was an illicit career choice to help modern science get to where it is today. And that is body snatching. Today, there's tuition, books, fees, and parking tags that students have to worry about before the first day of class. But back in the 1886, the only thing many medical students and schools were concerned about were if they had enough cadavers. In the UK and all around Europe, but UK specifically, there was a huge deficit in cadavers to use for instruction, training, and demonstrations. Things got so bad and supply was so short that the career path of becoming a resurrection man was born and quickly boomed. The job description was simple. Sneak into a cemetery, 
exhume corpses, and transport them to the desired location for dissection. For the most part, schools would receive their cadavers from the judicial system, and criminals were sentenced to death where their only supply. That's the only, Before this, that's how they got their cadavers. The judicial system would kill people, use that body, give them to schools, and that's what doctors, medical students would practice on. During the 18th century, hundreds of people were being put to death over petty crimes, as we have learned during our torture episodes that mm-hmm. we've done. Whether you steal bread to get your hand cut off, whether you fucking disrespect somebody, you get hung. If someone thinks, if you're a female, they think you're a witch. They just have to say you're a witch. You are dead. So people were fucking dying left and right. But by the 19th century, the judicial system matured and capital's punishment became less common. Pussies. So to give you an example of the dent that the mature judicial system made on the need for corpses. Medical schools needed about 500 corpses a year to meet their quota. A year. 500 a year. year. They need 500 bodies a in year. In total. In total. All the schools. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Right? 500 corpses a year to meet their quota. But in the 19th century, on average... On a yearly average, only 55 people were being sentenced to death. Oh boy, not good. And that's when the resurrection man came into play. Being a resurrection man or woman was a lucrative but highly illegal business to be in. It became so popular and so many bodies were being snatched that friends and family of the recently deceased would take turns watching over their loved one's dead bodies. For those with the means, many families continue to protect their dead by adding iron bars and structures over the graves called mort safes or mort houses. This did not discourage all stealing, but it did deter the last determined. So several techniques used to retrieve the bodies were the first to use a wooden shovel. You didn't want to use a steel one because the wooden one would make less noise. Mm. Then you would dig four Stealth. then you would dig four feet into the ground at the head of the grave, where the head would be at mm-hmm. on the coffin. You expose the coffin, you break it open, and the entire rope around the corpse's head, and you pull the body out. Just fuck it. You just pull it out. A much more complicated but inconspicuous approach was to pick a spot 14, 15 away from the head of the grave. You remove some dirt, you dig a small slanting tunnel towards the grave till you reach the coffin buried four feet down. You tear the head of the coffin off, not the top, but like where the the front of the coffin. Yeah. You tear that off, and then you pull the corpse through the tunnel. This method was so good that a lot of times, families didn't even realize that the beloved that the beloved had been robbed from right underneath their noses, literally. Sneaky fucks. Some resurrection men were inside men, and were actually cemetery keepers. And they would just simply remove the body in a sack and bury an empty coffin. Inside job. Those yeah. are the best. The hilarious thing about all this. Clothing, jewelry, or personal belongings were always left behind. Because stealing was a felony. And body snatching was not (laughs) so you'd get in more trouble stealing the clothes off a dead body than actually stealing the The dead dead body body. 
But like Pepsi Blue, all good things must eventually come to an end. So in 1832... I'm going to stop you there. I asked certain people about Pepsi Blue. People my age. Okay. Some are younger. Right? I'm 26. Some of the college buddies are pretty young. 21, 22, 23. And I asked them, yo, do you guys remember... Like, we had this whole discussion of, like, old school, 90s, and shit like mm-hmm. that, whatever. And I, every single one of them that asked, do you remember Pepsi Blue? They all gave me that deer look, like, uh, like, no. And I showed them the picture. All of them were like, yeah, I don't, I don't remember that drink at all. I think it's only one of my buddies that remember the drink Pepsi Blue, but even that, he, he gave no fucks about it. See? I, and that I, hurts. I give you. I give you a good answer. Why that is? It didn't exist. No. What? It was only around for a limited time, right? You were lucky enough that you were hanging out with us, all the older kids. Oh, Sora. I'm the lucky one. Well, you were kicking it with older people. You're <laughs> yeah, kicking yeah, it with yeah, Sora, yeah. who's like, you know, he's two years older than me. Mm-hmm. Ivan, I'm four years older than you. So you were hanging out with people that were five, six years older than you. So a lot of those, you were what, 11, 12? You were like 11, 12 years old when this drink... No, younger, like 9, because I was still in middle school and high school. You must have been like 9, 10 when you were drinking Pepsi Blue. Yeah. What 9, nine ten, Yeah, what set, you know, 6, 7-year-old is going to remember? Same for music taste. I was yeah. in elementary listening to Slipknot, Disturbed. Yeah, like... Third grade. It's just because, <laughs> like, you you had, that gen, you had that generational, like, gap where, like, you tasted the generation before you was, like, snacks that you're like, oh, shit... And then when you look back at it, all the people your age are like, dude, what, what the fuck? No. Unless they had older brothers and sisters. Mm. You know? And then we were all, that's all we would do. Everyone would just show up, hang out. We'd just go to 7-Eleven. Everyone would grab their Pepsi Blues and their Hot Cheetos and their. What's that other drink that the middle school sold for a while? It's um, not brisk. No. Fruit Works. Fruit Works. Fruit Works. Fruit Works. That son of a bitch, Fruit Works. But I was so excited to go to middle school for that. And then once I finally did, it's like the, uh, it, the, the health and something department. Uh, that act fucking kicked in. So they took all the sweet drinks, all the food they could buy, the Big Macs and all that shit. They took all that out. Um, it's crazy because and, and I was so bummed out. In my high school, you could buy Big Macs and Chick Fil A sandwiches. And then when I went to <laughs> high school, they had none of that. But anywho, carry on with the fucking episode. My bad. So yes, but like I said, like Pepsi Blue, Pepsi Blue, rest in peace. All good things must eventually come to an end. Mm. So in 1832, the demand for bodies was so high. That eventually people were just getting killed and sold off as corpses. They couldn't. So they're like, dude, we can't. We ha- we can't find all these corpses. It's easier to kill someone than. Yes. Yeah. Shit. So in a move to protect peace of mind, the Anatomy Act of 1832 was passed, and it required the licensing of anatomy teachers and regulated the supply of cadavers for medical research and education by giving physicians, surgeons, and medical students. Legal access to unclaimed corpses, especially of people who had died in prison or workhouses. Uh, it for, also allowed for unclaimed yeah. corpses. Okay. It also allowed a person to donate their own or next of kin's corpse in exchange for burial paid by the anatomy school. So if you were to die and you had no wife, you had nobody else. They could come to me because I'm claiming you. I'm like, oh, he's my brother. I'm like, all right. They'd come to me like, hey, do you give us permission? There was a lot of us passed. Like, I could give permission to give your body away. They and then they they just pay for your burial. It'll be even exchange. 
So that's what happened. And it also allowed a person to donate their own body, like I said, in exchange for burial paid by the anatomy school. And this completely wrecked the resurrection men and completely made them useless. This stopped them because like now you don't need a resurrection man. You could just go, and this is back then, during the warehouses, you remember the White Chapel fucking episodes where people were just, foreigners were just coming in everywhere, people was just overworked, there were so many people coming to the cities, people were dying of starvation, there was bodies everywhere, like, like, cool, like, now, there's a law that passed, like, you could use, you can now use these bodies that were unclaimed, before, the only way you could, schools could get it, is if it was died, they were killed by the government, now, they expanded it, saying, nope, there's an unclaimed corpse, you could take it. If you're a medical student and you see something, you, lo- yeah. you, you have permission to go and be like, hey, is this anybody's corpse? Nope. It's mine. Take them to the school. Damn. So because of that, the resurrection the resurrection men were no more. No more. So going back to the reasons of why people committed great robbery, one of them was for science and stuff. Uh, Other is archaeology, right? Archaeologists would dig up certain uh, sites that have uh, buried corpses in Egypt, et cetera, et cetera. I talked about necrophilia, people who are so interested in all the dead when it comes to sexual interactions. And then we have a story, a recent story. Most stories are backdated back in 1800s, 1900s. And this one's quite recent. It's a grave robbery mixed with cannibalism. Okay, so here's a story. On April 5th, 2011. Holy shit. Okay, 2011. Two cannibalism suspects confessed on having eaten five corpses dug out from a graveyard in, sorry, pretty sure I pronounced this wrong. I tried looking it up. It's B-H-A-K-K-A-R. Barkar, Pakistan for sure. Okay. Okay. The two suspects, known as Farman and Arif, are brothers. When the police raided the brothers' house, they found the newly buried body that was that was reported stolen. By the deceased brother several nights before. Her limbs and skin was found cooked in a curry. They were sentenced to jail for two years. Hold on. So the cops found the corpse of a lady. Mm -hmm. Thanks to the lady's brother who noticed that her corpse, I mean, that her grave, her burial site grave had been disturbed. Has been, yep, had been disturbed. They somehow managed through tips. Smelled, yeah, smelled. Found these two brothers. Uh huh. They walked inside, and they found that her skin and her what? Several limbs. Her hands, feet. They're being curried. They're inside curry. They're being pickled. They're eating. Yeah, they're, they were getting eaten. And they found four more bodies in that first raid. Okay. So that happened. Okay. They went to jail for two years. So you would think they learned their lesson. There's a video up. There's a video on it on, on YouTube, which I will go a little bit more in depth in one of the interviews. And then on April 14th, 2014, two years later, or a year after they were released, the two brothers were arrested once again. For what? For cannibalism. Neighbors reported a putrid smell again coming from Arif and Farman's home. Once again, their home was raided, and they found the head, just the head, of a young boy laying on the kitchen table. They confessed over 100 corpses snatched from local graveyards. 
Now, I looked more into it. I, I found one. It, it wasn't that video. But oh. I found a video on YouTube. You just type it in. You type in Baraka, uh, Pakistan, Cannibal, and there's some interviews. It, it was in their language, the whole interview, but somebody translated. I'm assuming someone that spoke that language, and they translated the whole uh, the whole interview. So I have it here with me. So I'm going to read the dialogue between the person interviewing, interviewing the two brothers. So it's some broken English as well here. Okay. So in the video, he explained right off the bat. It is just a first dead body taken out from the graveyard by me so far. These stuffs are from a male. Those two things are his legs. That was one of the brothers. And now the dude with the camera or the interviewer. Did you put him out from his graveyard? Pretty sure he meant, did you pull him out from the graveyard? Yeah. He's like, yes, I did. For how many years were you eating this? He said five years. I've abducted three or four flowers before. So he called them flowers. Yeah. And then he asked, what do you mean by flowers? Four kids and this dead body. And then he asked, so why do you eat meat? And then he said some Islamic term. I guess he couldn't translate it. So he asked him again. Well, he asked him, so have you tried dogs and cats too? He answered, yes. The cameraman said, look at me and answer me. So he responded while looking at him. Yes, I cut down a dog too. So the reporter asked another guy, the other brother, Arif, have you ever eaten anything? He claimed no. And his brother, in another interview, said he doesn't eat raw meat. He used to cook it. He and his brother used to dig graveyard in the night. It takes usually three hours to take out the dead body. After, th- after they used to put the dead body in the bag, and then on the bicycle, we used to take the body home. After that, he cooked it, and we ate it. So he lied. He did, eat, but yeah. not raw. Yeah. And then the reporter asked, how many dead bodies have you eaten so far? He responded, Farderman, he responded, 10 or 12. How do you eat them? The reporter said, we clean it with the water and then add salt to fry it. Farderman, the guy who ate four kids and one dead body in that first um, the first uh, raid. Um, how, how many dead bodies have you eaten so far from that? And then he was like, I don't remember. There are many before his first. Before he got uh, caught. Before he got caught. He's like, first you eat dead body of a kid or an adult. And then the brother responded, I eat Rizwan, the four-year-old kid. And the reporter asked, who is the father of Rizwan? And he responded, me. Oh, fuck. The reporter then asked, how many kids do you have? And Farman responded, I had two kids. And the reporter kept on pressing him. He's like, how did you eat them? I boiled them in hot water and I eat them. The reporter said, are you a monster? How did you eat them? And he responded. Again, his tone of voice was so nonchalant, nonchalant and chill. Like, if that was the norm. And he's like, yeah, I just cooked them. It's whatever, blah, blah, blah. So he asked, uh, how did you eat them? He said, I chopped them. How? And he responded, using the knife. And the reporter said, you are dangerous. 
more than the devil who eats his own son. And then Farman uh, said, I also eat two and three dogs. They were sick, so someone suggested me, so I ate them. Again, the translation is really not that great, but uh, I, I, I'm assuming it's somewhere around mm-hmm. that line. And the reporter said, when did you steal the human body? Farman responded, I went to the graveyard at 4 a.m. It's nearby my house. He's like, I first sat in the cemetery and smoked for a while. The reporter asked, what did you do next? He said, I had no idea this grave has an old or new dead body, but I opened it. And the reporter said, and? Then Farman responded, I took the dead body out, wrapped it in the blanket, and I took it home. The reporter said, what did you do next? Well, when I went home, my sisters and a brother of mine were at home, so I put the dead body inside my room. And then I cut off the legs with a knife. I just saw the legs in my hand and I boiled it. But the prayers of Allah started, so I stopped. And the reporter last said, I want to shoot you. You are brutal. And Farman responded, please forgive me. This interview is about 1 minute and 36 seconds long. You can find it under YouTube. The one you found is a little bit longer. I think it's a whole scene where they show the dead corpse. And- yeah, so there's a video on YouTube, if you guys want, over that's the footage of the actual first raid. The first raid, yeah. they gave them the first two years. And it's called Exclusive Interview of the Man Arrested for Eating Dead Bodies from Bukhar, Punjab, Pakistan. I'm going to put this video on the sh- on the episode show links. Yeah. The link. So you guys could go to the show links and click on it. And YouTube, it, you can just type in Bakar Cannibals as well. You can easily find that too. The first video, it's actually police footage. It's 9 minutes and 33 seconds long. And you actually see the footage of them walking into the house. And you see the dead corpse lying on the floor. And right next to it, a huge pot. Huge pot that's filled with meat and whatever. you. Now we know what it is. But and like it's filled not to the brim, but it's full, mm-hmm. and and that's in the first like two minute and a half, and then you start seeing the rest of it. So if you guys want to see it yeah, again, you, you guys just check on the episode show notes, and you guys will be able to see both. Click on the link and see both of these videos. And it's brutal. Like you see the corpse without limbs, you see it without legs, just stumps, no arms or hands. And it's crazy, and, and it's crazier in that interview where he's he ate his own. But do you do you think? He killed his son to eat him, or do you think his children died, and then he's like, "Fuck it, they're already dead." Um, and which one's worse? Well, obviously, killing them and eat, to eat them is worse. Yeah, yeah, it's worse. I mean, from this, from the information that I got from these two, uh, it's not like they killed anyone and then ate them. They were just. I mean, it's still fucked up, but they were grave robbers, right? That's true. They were corpse thieves, and uh, and then they just ate the body, cleanse it, quote-unquote, and then they ate it. Now, when it comes to his kid, hopefully he didn't kill him. Um, no, I, I doubt it. Cause I he, doubt he killed. Because he took him out of the cemetery. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I just answered my own question. All right. Yeah, wow. Oh, it's true. Yeah. And that's the story between uh, the two brothers, the two cannibal brothers from Pakistan. So, if you guys have... Uh, if you guys are listening now and you're kind of freaked out, being like, holy shit, what if I die? When I die, what if someone... What happens to my body? What's going to happen to my body? Well, I'm going to give you a few tips on how to keep body snatchers away. Oh, shit. From that broken down temple you call a body. Let's hear them. <laughs> so if you're not paranoid like the like me, 
of being subjected to the horror that is grave robbing, here are a few things you can do to make sure you stay where you're buried. Hmm. First one, place a guard by your gravesite. This is kind of a no-brainer, but just have someone stand outside your fucking grave. Just for a few weeks, at least until you decay. You know, just be like, look, talk to your best friend. Be like, look, I'm going to die soon. Do me a favor. I'm going to save up enough money where you could take like a three-week vacation every day. During, you know, like at night, just shoot through. I'll pay. F- I'll, I'll give you your wages. Just, just make sure no one steals me. Just three weeks. Just make sure I decay and then we're good to go. And then you're good, and then I promise I won't haunt you. Just make sure this person who you're paying to guard isn't susceptible to bribes. Because mm. I have a lot of broke friends. And if I'm buried and you offer them a few a few dollars, I'm pretty sure a few of them will take the money. Number two, you place your fucking body in a patent coffin. So while you're like, what the fuck's a patent coffin? Well, one way to make sure your ass stays dead in the dirt. Shout out to the band, Dead in the Dirt. They're an amazing band. Check them out. It's to invest on a good coffin. Sure. Rich people or German doctors in love with a 22-year-old Cuban girl could afford to be buried or buried their beloved inside a mausoleum. But if you don't have that kind of money, just get buried in a special coffin. Starting in 1818, many different types of coffins were introduced. Many were steel and some were impossible to open, while others had explosives go off when the coffin lid was opened. Explosives. Boom. So there goes my body. There goes your body and, and whoever and the other person's <laughs> body. A little more on this in a few. Okay, okay. Number three. You place a mort safe around the coffin. If you're old as fuck like my brother, then you probably have seen pictures of coffins placed inside cages. You see these pictures. Coffins placed inside cages. Wait, why do you call me old as fuck? Sometimes with captions saying these were made to keep zombies or vampires caged inside. Because you're old, but you're getting old. You're getting up there. Right? So you've seen these pictures, right, of coffins being inside cages. Especially you since you've been around for a long time. You've probably seen these on MySpace. Were you on MySpace? Photo bucket. MySpace. So you're old. Ain't so if you guys fuck. So if you, fuck you. So if you guys seen these pictures, you've seen these pictures of these coffins being inside cages. Yeah. Sometimes with captions saying these were made to keep zombies or vampires caged inside. But in reality, it was to keep the resurrection men from getting inside. Invented in 1816, 1816, the metal box that is the mort safe was a framework of iron bars that could be placed around a coffin or partially buried over a gravesite. Hmm. One of the key things about a mort safe was that it was reusable. After several weeks, the body would rot, and then it would be removed and moved to protect a fresher body. Better be safe than sorry. Get your ass. Mort safe. Here's the fourth tip. Use a coffin collar. A coffin collar. Coffin collar. The fuck elaborate. So so, so the way these assholes would steal a body was just by slinging the body out of the fucking coffin. Right? They'd just break it open, 
tie from the head of the coffin, and uh-huh. then just sling the body out. Well, what if you attach the body to the coffin? Oh, genius what move! Then? Big brain moves. Well, there's a simple <laughs> device that was placed around the corpse's neck that was then bolted to the coffin. Bolted. Bolted to the coffin. Just straight fucking. So you put a collar over the neck, and on the sides it was bolted to the neck. Yeah. It was bolted to the coffin. So if the resurrectionist wanted the body, he'd have to break the wood around the bolts, making a lot of unwanted, unnecessary noise. That's why that's good. Okay. And finally, one way, and to me, the best way to keep your body, to keep your to keep body snatchers away from stealing your corpse was die in the summer. Die in the summer. Why? If you get the chance to hold up a bit, <coughs> to hold up a bit, wait till summer to die. Classes aren't in session, so there's gonna be no one. The demand for your body is not gonna be that high. What do you mean summer school? Yeah, but compared to regular school, the man ain't gonna be that. The man ain't gonna be that high, and the weather is hot, which means your ass is gonna rot faster. Hmm. So it's a win-win. But if you cannot wait till summer, just place your body in a mort house, which was basically just a building in a cemetery where bodies were put in to rot. Before they were buried. So it would just be this building full of rotten dead bodies. Uh, and they just leave them in there until the body rot. And then, all right, cool, this one's no good. What was it called? A mort, uh, mort house. A mort house. Basically just a barn inside a cemetery where they'll just throw bodies in there, wait for them to rot, and then just bring them out. Damn. Which was, ba- yeah. Multiple corpses would be stored inside these buildings for weeks. Until they had rotten enough. That they were of no use to anybody. So remember earlier, my number two, I said place your body inside a patent coffin. This is what I meant. The metal caskets of the 19th century. Okay. As we all know, the 19th century was obsessed with their dead. From the post-mortem photography to the Memento Mori Etsy style jewelry. Coffins were a big deal too. And a lot of companies were in the business of making fancying up the bodies forever home and one popular fad going around was metal caskets the metal casket was not only for you to look fucking cool but also to stop petrifaction which kind of worked sort of it didn't really stop it it just kind of slowed it down i'm stop you there when you mentioned looking cool if you die would you want to look cool fuck yeah would you have on your well or whatever the fuck when i die i want to look and be dressed in a certain way. Yeah. What would the look be? I don't know. I haven't thought it out yet. I, I Coronavirus go, is here, bro. I want to go out like Dimebag. Like Dimebag. Dimebag. Dimebag Daryl. Dimebag Daryl. Okay. Bury me in my camel shorts. Do you got camel shorts? No, I'm saying Dimebag, the way he, the, <laughs> okay, the way he okay. was buried, he's like, bury me in my camel shorts, my chucks. My black label society vest. Yeah, which I remember clearly. And my ace. Oh, and bury me with my guitar. His blue, the blue lightning. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is, which still brings a tear to my eye, his favorite guitarist of all time was Ace Frehley from Kiss. Okay. And one of Dimebag's favorite 
things about Ace Frehley was his smoking guitar, mm-hmm. which was a guitar that used to have these two holes that he would play, and then smoke would come out. This captivated Dimebag since he was a little kid. So for years, before he learned how to play guitar, he had a guitar, and he would drill holes and put bottle rockets and just have smoke come out. Oh, shit. So, he, so Dimebag eventually became Dimebag, and he met his hero, and he had him... He had um, tattoos of Kiss, and he had Ace Frehley sign his name. I'll be right back. And he went to a tattoo shop and got a tattooed immediately. Ace knew Dimebag was the biggest Ace Frehley fan ever. So when Dimebag was being buried, when they were burying him, he asked if they could open the casket so he could bury, so he could be buried with the same guitar that Dimebag idolized as a little kid. Ooh. I got goosebumps just saying it. I got goosebumps just saying it. A little bit tear jerk right here, bro. Damn. So okay. he was buried with Ace Frehley's original smoking guitar. Oh shit. Yeah. So that's how I want to go out. Like that, that. That's cool as fuck. Like that's go out in your own in your own terms. What my terms would be? Less than yet. that. Less than that. No fucking legends gonna bury the guitar in your fucking graveyard. I don't know. But yet. um, I'll bury you with the monster probably. But bury me in a monster case. <laughs> the monster case. And the monster, the biggest monster fridge. <laughs> Okay. Oh, all right. Fair enough. Carry on. Just stupid. So, like I was mentioning, one of the cool things about this these metal caskets were that it it was it was sold as it would stop the rotting process. It really wouldn't stop it. It would just slow, delay. It would just slow it the fuck down. Really? But you'd still rot because it takes he, the the fucked up thing is uh, there was this like. Here's an example of the way it slowed down. Someone, someone was buried in like late 1890s. 1931, they were excavating this fucking, um, this old fucking, um, like land, like just like this huge plot of land. And when they were digging, they found the hip metal. Like, what the fuck? So they had to stop. They're like, oh shit, it's a corpse. It's a, it's a casket. So they had to get a bunch of people involved to get it out securely. As they were taking it out, they're like, what the fuck's that noise? Well, because it's steel and the condensation stays in there, the guts and everything stayed in there, so they were just sloshing back and forth oh. inside because there's no way for it to come out. Yeah. So it's just like this melted slurpy of guts inside this coffin. Ooh, That's boy. one of the downsides. But, you know, you, you're dead already. You've been dead for 40 years. It's not your problem anymore. It's somebody else's problem. Yeah. Uh, right? It's got visual. Mm. But the main appeal of this um, metal casket was that it would stop grave robbers by blowing them the fuck up. A lot of metal caskets would be loaded with explosives that would go off the second the the second the grave robber would try to open the lid because it's steel. You're not gonna melt. You have to open the lid to take the body out. Second you'd open it. Boom! And just blow the fuck up. It's gunpowder. And one of the most famously used models was called the Fisk model. Named after one of the inventors, Alman Fisk. The you could go look at our Instagram, the Weird History, Eritos Podcast, and look at that and look at that Fisk casket. Mm. And the reason this Fisk model was so popular was because it had an oval-shaped window at the top of the coffin. To show the face of the deceased. Okay. So it's basically a coffin where the face would just... You'd still be able to see the face. It's just like a old thing. You'd just be able to see it. And each of the fist coffins were 
decorated Victorian as fuck. Again, check out her Instagram if you want to see that picture. Weird history, here it tells Pod. And here is a small ad for this Fisk model. Oh, boy. Fisk's patent airtight metallic burial cases where cases of all sizes can be obtained. And funerals attended to with economy and dispatch. These cases can be sold as low as good wooden coffins and can be furnished for ready in use of 30 minutes or less from the time the order is given. Oh, shit. You can order a metal coffin to use and they'll bring it to you in 30, 30 minutes. fucking minutes. Okay. These metallic The bur- hustle's real. These metallic burial cases have been used for the remains of the following persons. And then he gave a list of a bunch of people. This is just an ad, so I guess each ad was specific to a certain area. So they'll be like, for example, if Linwood, let's say Weird Al Yankovic died, and he was buried in one of this, and then Linwood, the Linwood, they're like, oh, Weird Al Yankovic from Linwood, California, he was buried in these, weird, in these metal coffins. But there was a bunch of different types of coffins. There was some, there was something called uh, the shotgun coffin, where, um, the, the everything was sealed shut except for this one little area of the coffin, and the second you'd open it. It uh, a buck sh- a shotgun's buckshot would just shoot out. Yeah. So and it shoot out the direction where the opening was from. So you just boom, you just get shot to death. So there'd be a bunch of different versions of this fist coffin, but the fist one was the the main one. Yeah the the well, origin. Yeah the well not, not the but like the most famous one, the most commonly used one. Oh uh, okay. You know. So I wanted to end this episode. Before I end this episode, I wanted to talk about the story of John McIntyre that proved one group of resurrection men took their name to heart. But before I talk about that, I just re- I just remembered a crazy story about co- not, they weren't resurrection. The, <clears throat> all right, they were resurrection. They were resurrection men. Resurrection men in theory. So. In uh, San Diego, in San Diego, California, in the late 1800s, like in the 1860s, right? 1860s, there was a huge um, Asian population, right? In San Diego. In San Diego. Okay. And one of the things was, when they would die, they would want their bones buried in where they're from. They don't want to get buried here in the United States. They want to go get buried. Where they want their from. body. Yeah. Okay. They want their body being shipped back to where they're from and get buried over there. Just tradition, right? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously it's cheaper if you just ship the bones. So there was this specific company. Just w- the bones. Those, Just bones. So the specific company that if you were an Asian, if you were of, of Asian descent and you were to die, you could hire this company beforehand and they'd take, your, they'd take you out of your grave. They'd boil you in hot water so they could just peel your skin off the bone mm-hmm. and ship your bones to your desired address. Fuck. They eventually got caught. And they got caught when these people raided this warehouses with tens of people, not hundreds of people, but a shitload of people, each one in front of this big ass boiler, boiling oh. body parts. And on the other side, it was like a, it was like a warehouse. On the other side, there was dudes building pallets, wrapping them up, fucking with shipping bones, them off, just getting ready to ship off. That's a pretty cool image to walk into. Pretty fucked up. OSHA will probably have a field day with them. Oh my god! Damn. I didn't remember that off the top, but that's crazy, man. Here in San Diego, 
In like 1862, 1863, around there. Yeah. Shit. Now let's talk about John fucking McIntyre. Poor son of a bitch. So in an article printed on April 15th, 1824, written by John fucking McIntyre. Written by himself. Himself. Well, it, um, not on, but they were interviewing him. So it was written about him. Okay, okay, okay. You okay, know okay. what I mean? Yeah. So the article fucking, st- it starts off the bat with fucking John McIntyre on his deathbed. The man, for whatever reason, just was mysteriously paralyzed. 100% paralyzed but was fully conscious but he watched in silence as his family gathered and then mourned over his coffin at his wake they thought he was dead then McIntyre describes what it was like being sealed alive in a coffin taken to the graveyard which is everyone's worst and then Buried. Being buried a lot. That's horrible. Silence finally enveloped his coffin. Fuck. And John was left to die. Again. (laughs) And as he was imagining his coming death, he heard the sounds of digging. A group of body snatchers pulled him from the grave, stripped him of his belongings, and delivered him to the local university. John fucking McIntyre was then laid out in front of students and doctors on a dissection table. Realizing he was in a lecture hall, oh boy, he was trying to figure out a way to inform anybody that he was still alive. When suddenly he felt a knife slicing his chest open that finally awoke him. The doctors quickly realized their corpse was not dead. They fully revived John. John recovered and lived a full fucking life. How traumatized do you think John was? Do you... do you think he wanted to go to sleep? Fuck, <laughs> bro. Do you think he was mad at his family? I thought you I thought you loved me. I thought you knew me. I was alive. Apparently not. Bro, oh, he that, that's that's just scary just to imagine that shit, dude. And he was the bodies and actors were the only reason. Like, what are the fucking odds? Well, I mean, it's kind of funny they're called the resurrection man. They took him out and he was resurrected. Yeah, but they didn't name that for... They didn't name because they were fucking resin people back from the dead. How pissed do you think they were? Because you know they got in trouble. What year was this? This article was printed in 1824. Nah, they're good. Because it was from the 1820s to the 1860s where this was highly... Like, it was a norm. So I doubt they got in trouble. But uh, probably lost some money. The school's like, hey, Maybe they- fuck you. You, you got to bring me back my 15. Oh, and they're paying like 1,500 bucks per, per like body. Yeah. But I doubt there was a refund. This some illegal fucking. Yeah, but if dude's not buying it, who are you going to sell it to? Yeah, but you can't be, yo, you, you gave me a, a live body, dude. I'm going to need my money back. I doubt there's going to be a refund for it. I don't know. 
But John fucked. That was Sex fucked. Suck. That was fucked. I mean, is that is that a shitty story or a good story? A little bit of both. <laughs> is it good? Is, is a little bit a, both. A little bit both. Is it a good shitty story or a shitty good story? It's a shitty good story. All right. Because of the ending. Now, I'm so curious of like how deep was that incision? Right, was it just a little peck of and then you woke up, or he was just fucking fully fucking. No, I'm pretty sure like it was in it, and, and they kept going. His, his body started shaking or, or something, but it wasn't like a full open, flapped open. Yeah, yeah. See, that would suck. You wake up to your death. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that poor son of a bitch. You just wake up enough to be like, "Damn you!" Like, fuck. Uh, <laughs> oh shit! But. At the end, I mean, you lived a... He lived, he recovered, he lived What they said, a fully... Full, full fucking life. A full life. Was it a good life? Maybe not. Like, would you be able to overcome that? What? That incident. Would you be like, oh, yeah, fucking... I was buried alive. Stuck in a coffin? Maybe. I'm kind of dumb, so a lot of things goes over my head. I don't know. I was watching um, National Geographic on on YouTube on uh, grave robbers. They're like uh, one of the main, uh, um, what's it called? The ways they would pull out the body. You said they'll like hang hang a noose or whatever around the neck and just pull them out. Uh, one of the experts were like they'll like the main was they'll get a hook, they'll penetrate from the neck into its head. And then Yankee, he was a, that's that was one of the most common ways to snatch the body, break the head of the coffin, and then hook him directly. So I doubt they hooked John, because no. that would have killed John. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> so but they said that that was like more professional the hook into it. So these guys were they were not pros. Well, I mean, unless the school was like, we can't have proof. That you that you that you took them out of a fucking graveyard. Oh, with that. Okay, okay. You know, but how scary would it be if they try to hook John, and they hook him and that woke him up and as they're pulling him, he starts screaming. Oh, they have to run. It's either you run, or you bash the head of that fucking shit. Yeah. You know. <laughs> be- <laughs> because you can't help him. They help him. They're fucked. Why? They're not sitting in the dead body. They just saved the man's life. They could be like, I was they walking. <laughs> I was walking and I heard and this I man. Heard. And I heard this man. So you happen to have the tools? At your and then John's gonna be like, "No, fuck that!" They stuck goddamn hook in my neck. Would you tell? <laughs> I'll be like, "I'll be like, nope." Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> like these, like these people are heroes. Give them the key to the city. Praise them. Give them rewards. Yeah, dude. Fuck. Hell no. I don't think I can live a normal life. I try to milk it as much as possible. Yeah. Milk what your life? No, try to milk that incident. How? Make money. I try to go on the Joe Rogan podcast. Oh, talk about it. Talk about have it. Have a tour. Yeah. Have a tour. Write a movie about it. Get interviewed. Yeah. Go on. You know. Okay. You're, you're a piece of shit. Hey, I'm trying to make some money off it. I'm a diet son. I'm trying to take advantage <laughs> of my second chance. Okay. You sleazy bastard. But that was our episode on grave robbing or grave desecration. Whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I whatever you want to call it. The art of stealing dead bodies. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was fun. Like I said, I was infatuated by this by this topic for a long time. And um weirdo. And like um you know, like on a more serious note, you guys probably noticed 
that this episode is a little short because we are short two members of the show. One of them is our uh, weekly host, I mean, weekly member, Achi, because the coronavirus, he can't be here, so he's been absent. And filling in for him for a few weeks was our good buddy, Renee. Renee. And um, if you guys don't know, if you guys have, we posted it on Instagram, but for those that you guys do not know, he became gravely ill last Sunday. I spoke to him on Saturday, not the weekend that just passed, but the weekend before. I spoke to him. He was. He said he was feeling a little, a little off, but he suffers from anxiety, so he was just describing his anxiety symptoms or whatnot. And then I get a call from his family saying that uh, he's been intubated and he's been in. He had been in a coma for a few days. Um, so he right now he's still as far as as far as today goes, which is uh, April fifteenth. He's still um unresponsive and he's still fighting for his life as far as i know his sister hasn't gotten in contact with me in a few days yeah since i think saturday but um last i heard he was still in critical condition he was still unresponsive his organs were were failing him but there were some good news uh that she told me that um his sister his sister told me that uh prior to saturday he was on three different medications and uh, what's the machine called that pumps your air for you? A ventilator? No. Yeah, he, yeah. He was, um, before Saturday, he was on three different uh, medications, and he his body was a was 100% dependent on the the ventilator. Mm-hmm. So his body was 100%. Without the rest, without the ventilator, he, he, he was going to die. And they did test. It's not the coronavirus. It's something to do with his livers and his, and, and, and his, uh, his livers and his lungs an infection and um this is before saturday and on saturday she said that the, he, he's starting to respond well to the medication he was taking off one of the step one of the medications and they were gonna go from 100 percent to try to lower it to 80 percent to see if he's if his body was able to at least do some of the work and it, and it did it, they responded well so they put the machine at 80 percent and this was Saturday morning. She texted me, and she said in the afternoon they were gonna try to put it down to sixty to see how his body would respond. Yeah, we haven't heard from them yet, but I haven't heard from my sister yet. But um, hope I'm hoping everything's gonna turn around. I know everything's gonna turn around because Renee's a lot of things. One of the things he's not, he's not a fucking quitter. So um, you guys have we posted it on Instagram, and you guys, you know, just to let you guys know what's going on, and you guys, you know, his family saw everything that you guys posted. That you know, they're really grateful. That you know, people from all over, people from all over the, you know, people from all over the fucking the world are you know reaching out and giving the condol not condolences but giving them, put them in their prayers, giving them good vibes or whatever. So we're gonna keep you guys posted, and um, we don't, you know, he's 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 gonna wake up, but as of as of right now, he's where he's at right now. So um, that's why one of the, that's why this episode is a little shorter than usual. It's kind of hard to concentrate when you know when you're dealing with these kind of things, yeah. and um, we're short his cheesy jokes so um th- um thank you guys you know i just wanted to say that because um as much as he is my friend he's now your guys's friend whether you like it or not and um you know just trying to keep everyone informed to see what's going on over here at the weird history with tells camp and as things go on good news good news as we hear them we're gonna start putting them out just so everyone knows because i know everyone who is who listens to the show 
is uh highly invested in that goofy <laughs> that goofy bastard that we all fucking love. So uh, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for all the support. Thanks for all the kind words that you guys have said and have sent for uh, Renee. The family really appreciates it. You know, it's crazy. They're like, it's crazy how, you know, all these people fucking that we, care. That, yeah, all these people care, you know, and it's, you know, it's because he's a, you know, he's, he's a, he's a good human. He's a good friend and he makes us laugh whether he's, whatever the fuck he's doing. So, you know, we want to thank you guys so much and, um, Join us next week as we don't know what the fuck we're going to be talking about, but uh, we're going to be talking about something. So with that being said, um, thank you guys. All, thank you guys. And as always, we are the Weird History. Eerie Tales Pod.